1: dnvr broncos podcast coming to you live from studio c and the c stands for ceiling as in which position group has the highest or lowest ceiling or lowest floor it's going to be an interesting discussion zach one time we uh every time we talk about uh things like this we end up getting in trouble because no one wants to hear about lowest floors but it feels like it lacks depth um, to only talk about what, ha- what has the highest ceiling. We got to We got to play both sides of the fence here.
2: I mean, literally, if we're talking depth, there's a lot of depth between potentially a lot of depth between the lowest ceiling and the highest floor. No, I'm going to get this so confused, Ryan. This is going to be brutal for me to think about ceilings and floors and high and low.
1: Yeah, at least we're. I, I think we did a pretty good job this year in our draft coverage of not using the word ceiling, because um, <laughs> no. last year we used it a lot. And looking back on it, I was like, that's kind of a silly discussion. Um, <laughs> so, so you know, hey, we're all uh, human. We live and learn from our own mistakes.
2: Ryan, um, we, we have a few infamous pods in our history. Yes. And one of them that that we don't talk about much is I don't know, <laughs> four years ago or something, we had a, a like a lowest floor talk, and uh, boy, did that get the most negative response of any pod we've ever done. And <laughs> Not what's even really frustrating. What's what's really funny is uh, we were like spot on. I think we were saying like, oh, the floor for this team's like five and eleven or something because it it wasn't position by position. And I think that was the year they went five and (laughs) eleven.
1: I think it is too. And the funniest thing is the pod before we was titled "What's the best case scenario for the Denver Broncos?" (laughs) And you know we said they could go like eleven and five or something like that. (laughs) And then we said worst case case scenario is five and eleven. And I have never approached pods the same after that because <laughs> you don't ever really think like what what if this is the first one someone listens to you know what i mean mm, like right you think like oh well everyone knows us they know that we don't you know we're, we're not negative about the team or anything like that you know we usually take a pretty positive outlook and so like it's totally fine for us to take this um to have a conversation like this because it's you know surrounded by so many other positive conversations but boy oh boy what's funny is like at least some of the like I, I specifically remember one person who was like going after us I'm talking yep. like seven to ten tweets about how bad our show was and that person ended up being a long-time listener so yep. <laughs> couldn't have been that bad couldn't have been that bad uh, anyways I think we this one uh, you know everyone will understand especially as it's more of a Uh, within the team sort of thing. There has to be a strength and there has to be a weakness of the team. That's just the way it works. So we'll jump into that in just a second. First, shout out to DraftKings, sponsor of this show. Bet five, get hundred dollars, $150 in free bets when you just play along. Just bet on an NBA money line. You don't even have to win. They're going to pump $150 in free bets right into your account. Maybe you can bet on the PGA Championship, which I had a rookie move. I forgot to bet on it last night, but I woke up early this morning for a workout class, was able to get my bets in before, you know, I think only like 10, 15 players had teed off, so it, it hadn't shifted the odds too, too much.
2: And and who, who are we on today?
1: Well, based on the cash outs that DraftKings is offering me, it doesn't seem like my guys are off to a hot start, but oh, no. uh, I'm oh, no. on. I I threw a little a uh, little bit on Colin Morikawa, of course,
2: of course, uh,
1: John Rom, um, because I've been doing some lessons with Big Drive Mitch, and he says that my swing is most similar to John Rom, <laughs> so I should be watching him, uh, trying to learn, you know, about his hip turn and things like that. Um,
2: is that a good comp? Are you happy about that?
1: Well, um, I'm what we call a short swing king. Um, okay. So like I you know I don't do the John Daly like bring it way back you know I mm. keep it nice and short and controlled. Um, it's mostly just because I'm super unflexible. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> um, but you know he he barely brings it it back, but he still hits it as mm. long as anyone on the tour. Um, so you generate so much power in that short little kind of explosion there.
2: I mean, you're, you're flexing a lot today. I mean, you, you talked about getting up early for a workout class. Yeah. You're talking about pretty much just how you're, you're really strong and don't need the full extension. And I can understand the, uh, the, the short King thing. I mean, they, they call me the short height King. So uh, oh, we're, we're yes. similar. Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, I think it was last summer was short King summer. I hope it was, I hope it treated you well. Uh <laughs> And then the other one I have is Justin Thomas. I, I like betting on Justin Thomas.
2: He has there smoothies. we
1: go. He just has the smoothest swing.
2: I, I hope those I hope those buyouts go up today.
1: I know. I haven't even looked. it is just being so toned. Um, so I got to look and see how the guys are doing. <laughs> Anyways, DraftKings Sportsbook. Uh, check them out. We appreciate them. They're the presenting sponsor of this show. All right, Zach. Should we start with the good news? Let's start with the good
2: news. Good. Okay, We'll we'll kick this off with the good and talk about which position on the Denver Broncos has the highest ceiling so can be the absolute best on this team.
1: I was going to ask, can there be such thing as a one-man position group?
2: Man, that's what I was thinking too. And I think so. I, I think so. And the reason is, is because... I think Russ, I think there's some other groups that can be competitive with Russ, and we're not talking about most impactful on this team, or else we would have to put quarterback aside. Uh, the, the way I want to view it, Ryan, and, and, to, and tell me if you don't want to view it this way is – Where will this group at the end of the year stack up against the rest of the NFL? Could this group be top five? Could this group be the best group in the league? And and, and view it on that, because then that kind of puts everyone at a a level playing field. Because, of course, Russell Wilson is going to be more valuable than whatever the receivers do, because he's the one delivering them the ball. But will Russell Wilson have a higher ceiling? Could he be higher in the NFL compared to the other quarterbacks compared to the Broncos receiving room?
1: Okay, so you're saying, like, in a world where the Broncos receivers lead the NFL in combined yards from, like, the top three or top four, but Russell Wilson doesn't lead the NFL in passing yards.
2: Right, exactly. Exactly, because Travis Kelsey with the Chiefs goes off for 1,500, but the Broncos tight ends do nothing.
1: Right, This is interesting. I hadn't thought of the conversation through this lens. But are you with me that it comes down to those two? Should we put safety in the mix as well?
2: Mm, I do think safety needs to be in there. And I also think that cornerback... Needs to be in there because of how freaking good I think Pat Sertan can be. And we can break down all these positions and might as well just start with cornerback right now. Ryan, I don't think it's crazy to say that Pat Sertan could end up being the best cornerback in the NFL this year. Now, I, I think to be realistic, maybe top five, and that's even crazy to say Uh, how that's just realistic. That's how good I think he is. So in my eyes, one of the Broncos, two or three starting cornerbacks could be the best in the NFL this year. If he reaches his ceiling, Uh, Ronald Darby, we talked about him yesterday. He's a guy that's always around the ball typically doesn't intercept it typically just uses one hand and can lead the league in passes defended and we know he's going to get the ball thrown his way a lot this year so i think he could be up there Uh, it, it probably even potentially lead the league in passes defended not that that makes him the number two cornerback in the nfl but that certainly gives him something to his game and then kawan williams i just love what he brings as a slot corner now the depth isn't really there, but Ryan, we're, we're talking ceiling. We're talking about best case scenario. Feel all these guys stay healthy. I'm touching wood right now for that. But if all of these guys stay healthy, they have the potential to absolutely in my mind, be a top five cornerback room in the NFL.
1: Interesting. I am not quite that high on them. <sighs> um, I like, I think they're one of the better groups on the team. Uh, but even I would put running back above cornerback uh, in terms of a group. Now, obviously, Pat Sertan is going to be up there in terms of the best number ones on the team for each group, right? He carries out a lot. I just think there's a pretty steep decline uh, off from him, whereas, like, Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon, if I I didn't know any better about the amount of work that I think they're going to get, I would say, like, man, you can make an argument. That's the best one-two in the league and maybe that's a little aggressive i haven't gone through the 12s in the league
2: i don't think um, that's crazy
1: yeah so like i would put running back above them i think that corners a little bit behind in this conversation and and i definitely think safety is above them because i'm i've always been maybe as high as anyone on kareem jackson um you know i think he's an every down player for sure <laughs> <laughs> Um,
2: you don't even need to ask the question of course he is ryan um
1: but yeah i i i really like kareem um i think that he brings something to this team that very few others do uh, you're lucky we're remote (laughs) and obviously uh justin simmons is justin simmons you know he's a top five um safety in the league at his position so uh, those guys are up there for sure. And then I think Caden Stearns is like this awesome wild card, right? Yeah. Um, one of the most productive players based on the snaps that he played in the NFL last year. He just went out there and just looked electric um, when he played. And, and that's like the best way I think I can describe him is when he's on the field, you notice, man. You're like, holy, who is that? Um, So that's something I love about Kareem Jackson. Uh, I think he has the same effect. Justin Simmons has this interesting, like calming effect, um, where it's like, he doesn't do anything spectacular on a play-by-play basis where like you see, you know, Kareem fly down into the box and just crush someone. And you're like, wow, that's a pop. Wow. Play. Um, Justin obviously had like the sick full extension diving interception last year. And, you know, he, d- he makes great tackles in the backfield or on the edge. Like he's just so solid. Um, this is a, a, a weird comp, but he reminds me, you know, we've got the DNVR scramble coming up uh, next Friday. Now I saw a couple of you guys signed up. So hopefully there's more of you who are oh. available next Friday to come play uh, in the spring shootout. But when you're in a, a scramble team, the best thing you can have, in my opinion, is someone who hits great straight drives every time. So what happens is you put them off first, and they knock it down the middle of the fairway, and then you know you have one there, and everyone else can just swing for the fences. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how I feel about Justin. Is It's like, you put him out there, he's putting that thing in the middle of the fairway, and giving everyone else a chance to take risks. Like He can make up for other people's mistakes with his range with his knowledge of where things are with the spacing. So um, he's, he's so great at that, but he does lack a little bit in the game changer category.
2: Yeah, he does. And, and we'll we'll get to see him Uh, see how good of a game changer he can be because he does have a couple seasons of five interceptions. But now with teams being forced to pass, especially at the end of games, that's when players rack up those extra sacks. That's when players rack up those interceptions to end games. They might be easier picks at times, but hey, a pick's a pick at the end of the season. So we'll see if he can bring that game changer element. And Ryan, one thing that, that I don't think I mentioned from, from mandatory mini or from voluntary mini Camp a couple of weeks ago uh, about Justin Simmons that you just reminded me of. Uh, he has the green dot on his helmet, at least at voluntary minicamp. So just the value to this team goes even even more up right now. Now maybe that they were just trying that for a couple of days and next week at OTAs it'll be Josie Jewell. But what that green dot means is he's the one that the the play calls are being relayed to and then he's disseminating that information to the rest of the defense. Uh which typically it's an inside linebacker. Even last year when the Broncos were like on their eighth inside linebacker, Vic it's Fangio Justin kept Stratton. it to, to, yeah exactly kept it to be those inside linebacker guys. So that just adds even more value to Justin to this team not necessarily uh in terms of how he compares to the rest of the league but Ryan uh you're right this safety group is a top five group uh for sure because the safety duo between the two guys they're a top five right there and like you said about Caden Stearns he's one of the most efficient players in the NFL I need I need to dive into the numbers last year it was mind-blowing how good he was with how few plays he got he should see the field this year not just be a backup
1: yeah and I know I Think. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you were in this conversation too. I think we've got a film room coming on Caden Stearns uh, at some point. So uh, keep an eye out for that on thednvr.com. I'm really excited to read that one. Uh, got a, co- a a good series of film rooms coming, which uh, is content that I personally maybe my favorite Broncos stuff that we do um, from a like learning standpoint. I love to just see that film and and and, and see our guys break it down. Um,
2: Ryan, my other question, now that we're kind of throwing positions out there, I'm not going to try to make the argument for inside linebacker, but outside linebacker, I mean, we're talking like six deep. Is there a semi-realistic scenario that you could see this group being Top five because I think we're going to talk about receivers. We're going to talk about Russ. We just talked about the safeties being top five. So in order to be competitive, I think you you got to view these guys as top five. Is there a realistic scenario where you see that this year? For who? For the outside linebacking room. No. I agree. I agree. Uh I think it it would have to be too much of a stretch to to say that. You could say Randy Gregory's that first round talent that he was coming out, but it's too much of a stretch for yeah, exactly. It's too much of a stretch to say what five years later that he's just all of a sudden going to put it together and be a 15 sack guy. And then Bradley Chubb, The Pro Bowl year he had, he had seven and a half sacks, so he he was more well-rounded. But at that outside linebacker position, Ryan, you're not looking for good defensive uh, run stuffers. You're looking for guys that can impact plays and make big-time plays consistently. So I could absolutely see the Broncos having a game or two or five this year where the outside linebacker group is elite and takes over a game and changes the game. It's too much of a stretch for me to say that that it happens for an entire season. And at the end of the year, we're saying, okay, this group is top five.
1: Yeah, what's crazy is like they might not even be top two in the division. Um, and they probably aren't top two in the division. And you, you might even say they're the worst in the division. Um, right. And so to say top five in the NFL, and we know they play in the best division with a bullet. But it's a stretch for me. And I think of it this way. If they were sixth, I would be over the moon ecstatic. Uh, Just, oh my God, what a success sign Bradley Chubb, do whatever you got to do to keep this together. You cannot let this group fall apart. So I'm thinking like, that's almost like best case scenario for me. If they were the sixth best pass rush, you know, outside linebacker group in the NFL, just over the moon. What a success. If, if, Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons and Caden Stearns were the sixth best safety duo in the league this year, we'd say, like, eh, kind of left something to be desired there. So, to me, it's just too much to say that that those guys can be top five. And if they are, whew, plan the parade.
2: Mhm yeah absolutely that's going to be huge for the Broncos and really quick before we move to the other side something that's going to be huge for you is checking out our friends over at Lightshade Dispensary or speaking of huge they have just opened their biggest store it's the Barnum location it's walk off and they think they there. in Specialty products that aren't sold at other stores, so if you're a big fan of Lightshade, got to go check out their biggest location. And also, you got to check out Wana, which they carry at their stores. It's a fast asleep, 20 to 100 THC to CBD. If you need to get some shut-eye after the big game's turn to Wana, it's a well-rounded recipe. So it's going to help you get to sleep and stay asleep, which is huge. And the biggest kicker with Lightshade, use the code DNVR over at any of their 11 Denver Metro locations or online at LightShade.com com to get 25% off your entire purchase. That's code DNVR over at Lightshade Dispensary.
1: There you go. And also a reminder to come down to the DNVR bar to watch the Colorado Avalanche tonight. No better place to watch it other than at the stadium. Zach, I'm trying to make some things happen. I might be at the stadium, um, <laughs> but if not, I will absolutely be at the bar. There's only two possible places I could be for an abs playoff game, and those are the two. You got to come hang out. Um, I know there's a big group of DNVR people hanging out down there tonight, so it's a great time to come if you want to meet anyone. Um, Get yourself your 22-ounce member beer for the price of a 16-ounce beer. All sorts of great stuff going on, so come check it out. And if you can't come down to the bar and you're wishing you could watch the Avs, Nuggets, Rockies, Rapids, all in one place, you got to check out our friends over at Ivaca TV. Go to Ivaca.tv slash DNVR. And how about this, Zach? Not only can you watch the Nuggets, not only can you watch the Apps, not only can you watch the Rapids, not only can you watch the Rockies, you can watch DNVR on Ivaca TV now. It's so cool. Right next to where Altitude and Root Sports, no, AT&T Sports uh, are on the dial. Very next one, DNVR. You click on, we're live right there, right now, uh, which is really, really awesome. Uh, so you gotta check it out. Check out slash dnvr and get an amazing deal. Starts at twenty-five dollars a month plus ten bucks a month for the receiver. But you get ten dollars off your first month when you use that code DNVR. Check out our friends over at Evoca TV.
2: And one more thing really quick, Ryan, anyone tuning in live right now, please hit us with a thumbs up. If you're on YouTube, if you're not watching on YouTube, jump over to our YouTube stream. It's a better stream, better quality. The chat's a lot more popping and it helps us. So we'd really appreciate it. Hit us with a thumbs up, subscribe, turn on alerts. Cause sometimes we go live at different times of the day, just like right now. We really appreciate that. And we just simply really appreciate everyone tuning in live and also tune in on the podcast side.
1: All right, Zach. So I think it's time to put a stamp on this. Which position group, and let's give a top three, which position group has the single highest ceiling?
2: Well, really quick, before we do that, is running back in this conversation, Ryan, because you said you would put it in above cornerback, but does that mean that they're in there for you?
1: Nope. Um, Simply not enough workload. You know, like, if you look around and we're talking about being top five, top three, top one group in the NFL, there's just no way um, that this group rushes the ball as much as, like, Derrick Henry and the Titans or Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. You know, like, there are some teams out there who are going to pound the rock. And that's not going to be the Broncos. They're not going to pound the rock. Now, they're going to run the ball, and they're going to try to keep some semblance of balance because that's what good coaches do. but it won't even be close to some of these run-first teams.
2: I agree in term in terms of the stats. No, but in terms of talent, Ryan, we we said earlier that I believe and I think you believe this is the best one-two punch, or I, I guess that give it to the Browns of having the best one-two punch in the NFL with, with with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. That that's in, insane. But Broncos definitely top five one-two punch. But ask you okay, would have the or would you rather have Derrick Henry? Me, I'm taking Derrick Henry. Would you rather have Jonathan Taylor or the Broncos' one-two punch? You can't disagree with what Jonathan Taylor did last year. I think you have to take him as well. And then you go to the Browns, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, you'd rather have them. But Ryan, I think I think Broncos are going to be just outside that top five in, in terms of talent, but then in terms of production, I, I do think they're going to fall short.
1: Yeah, and the thing about a one-two punch is if your first punch is a knockout, you don't even need the second one.
2: <laughs> right, right. Are you saying Javante could be that, or are you saying like Derek no, Henry? No,
1: I'm saying Derek Henry is a knockout punch. He doesn't need a one-two punch. He needs one <laughs> right. punch. Um, yep. You know, same thing with Jonathan Taylor. And then you go Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb is right in that conversation with those two guys. And then he also yep. has Kareem Hunt uh, behind him, which is, is just amazing for his workload and, and for – you know the way that, that team approaches it.
2: Yeah, I can, I completely agree. And and speaking of knockout punches with with Alabama guys, man the brawl between Nick Saban uh is so good right now.
1: I mean, it's so dumb like <laughs> Nick Saban through a glass house, he's shooting boulders out of a cannon from inside of a
2: glass house. <laughs> And uh, you know what? I wouldn't mess with Nick Saban.
1: I mean, what's the worst that could happen? They beat you.
2: <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty bad this year. That that would be, man, this game's going to have so, A&M and Alabama is going to be a blast. And you know, if one, especially with A&M beating them last year, and you know, if one of those teams gets the advantage on the other, they're not going to take their foot off the gas. They're going to mm-hmm. try to beat them down.
1: I kind of like the idea of like maybe trying to get Nick off his game a little bit by getting him too riled up.
2: Mm, because no one, no one ever goes after Nick. So I, I love right. that. I love that Jimbo. And I'm an Alabama guy. I love that Jimbo went after him today. And I, I hope Nick, uh, Nick comes back too. Wait.
1: So I saw all I saw yesterday was Nick saying they paid for their entire recruiting class. What did Jimbo say today?
2: Oh man, Jimbo had a huge rebuttal. Let Let's see if I can. Uh... Let's see if I can pull up the script here. Um, but he said uh, he said uh, something along the lines. Oh, man, I can't find the exact wording right now. Uh, I'll, I'll look for it, and we we can get back to it uh, because I, I want to make sure that I get it right. But it's uh, J- Jimbo went hard in the paint, as you could say.
1: Okay, let me see if I can find it. Oh, wow, it's harder than he thought. You can only see the videos.
2: Okay, actually, I think I think I got it here. You got it. Um, yep. He says, uh, j- just a, a tiny little recap, uh, Jimbo Fisher says um, that Nick Saban is a narcissist. He won't take his calls. And uh, he said, we built him up to be this czar of football. Go dig in his past. And he, he went on to say, uh, you talk to anyone he's worked for or who's worked for him around him. It's going to be very easy to find everything out about him that you want to know.
1: Woo!
2: I like it. <laughs> my only, my That's only why rebuttal, I say dude.
1: don't throw stones from inside a glass house, because now you're <laughs> you have no walls around you and you're exposed.
2: My only thing with that, Jimbo, is don't you think someone would have tried to take Nick Saban down by now if that was the truth? If if he's just this this exposed person that has so many dead bodies just floating around that everyone knows about. I mean, you got to think that circle of things is pretty darn small.
1: Well, think of it this way: who who wants to take him down? Not the NCAA. He's great for them, right. um, you know. Like obviously, the other SEC schools would like w- would want to, but if the governing body has no interest in in following through on that, it might be pretty difficult. So, I think he wouldn't, might be you... invincible.
2: Wouldn't you think the, the people that would want to take him down is every single former assistant that's worked for him, especially, according to Jimbo, if he's been doing it dirty, uh, that, that's lost to him out, outside of Jimbo. G- give credit to Jimbo. He's the only former assistant that's ever beat Nick.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting, though. I, I love it. I love this type of stuff. Um, Tad Boyle used to take some like little shots at Sean Miller um, mm. for cheating, and it got me fired up. Uh, well, and,
2: Tad was right,
1: and I can say like, well, I can't say now, but I can say back when I covered the team, they really were like a clean program. I thought it was right. so dumb. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you know, he uh, that that wasn't necessarily a glass house uh, scenario.
2: Yeah, and and that that is really cool, and you've you've told me that for a long time, but I guess we can Broncos talk, Ryan, yeah. and so our finalists. Wait, are you fair? Are you are you fine calling Russell Wilson the potential to be in the top five of quarterbacks this year?
1: Of course, yeah,
2: yeah, me 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 too. Wide receivers, they in the final group? Yes. Uh, tight end, offensive line. For me, I I can go by pretty pat, pretty fast and say no. Mm-hmm. Anything for defensive line? You're a big DJ Jones guy. You also have Dre. No, you're shaking your head, blowing that down. Okay, so then we we have it. We have safety quarterback and wide receiver. I would put cornerback in there, but I don't think it's going to make my top 3. So,
1: okay, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Um I think I'm ready uh, to name my winner. And here's what it boils down to. I I know some people do. I don't see the Broncos running backs catching a ton of passes. Um uh, I You're don't see the right now. Broncos tight ends catching a ton of passes. I do see the Broncos wide receivers catching a ton of passes. So while I think Russell Wilson is going to go off, I think what's going to happen is as he goes off, the the wide receiver stats are just going to go off the charts compared to the rest of the league, because they're going to be getting 90% of the production from the passing game. Uh, and, And obviously we know Cortland and Tim, awesome. Jerry could be awesome. KJ Hamler, when we're talking ceiling, ceiling specifically has to be considered in this because we know what he's capable of, especially from a straight line speed perspective and who throws a better deep ball than Russell Wilson, nobody. Uh, so to me, it's like if Russell Wilson goes crazy, the wide receivers are going to go crazy, crazy because they're going to be getting most of the balls
2: completely agree and then when you just break down the individual guys in that room Ryan Cortland Sutton was a thousand yard receiver with bad quarterback play he was a pro bowler 1100 yards with bad with bad quarterback play his ceiling is above that because he's already shown uh, when he's been significantly handicapped what he can do and here's the big thing too and it's something that I don't want to overlook uh, ever again in my life and it's something that we didn't overlook last year with Cortland we said when a guy comes back from a CL. And this is something we have to unfortunately remember with KJ Hamler that first year. They can play. They can be really good, but 90%. They're not going to be themselves. Well, now Cortland's had that full year back, so he can fully be himself this year. So he can be a 1,200-yard receiver. So the ceiling on him, really high. Tim Patrick, he's been an 800-yard receiver or twice uh, w- with bad quarterback play. He could be a 1,000-yard receiver. He's a guy just just like Cortland. Throw the ball to him, and you feel comfortable that he's going to come down with it. And on top of that, he has the reliability factor where he, he can be that safe target on third down. Jerry, Judy, Ryan, we don't really know, honestly, what his ceiling can be. Uh, we think it can be, I think it can be the best on the team. And I think you agree with me in terms of the ceiling. Him, of the wide-
1: we just called him the number one breakout yep. candidate on the entire team yesterday. So we're both on the same, on the same page there.
2: Wouldn't shock me if he went for 1500 yards this season. Now his floor could be pretty low as well. And then KJ Hamler, despite coming back from injury, he's not going to be an every down guy. You don't need him to be that the threat that he could be is so dangerous. It's, it's a threat that few teams have, honestly, in the NFL. It's that Tyreek Hill, uh, the, the what everyone tried to get in Tyreek Hill. The Broncos got a similar sort of speed and player. Now, obviously, I'm not saying he's Tyreek Hill at all, but in terms of just the deep threat that he brings, it's right up there. So the ceiling on this group is could be, it could be the best group in the NFL this year.
1: Yeah, and... What does the ceiling look like? Three different one thousand yard receivers.
2: Yep, and then you have KJ Hamler, average twenty yards per catch.
1: Yeah, and obviously, again, this is not realistic. It's the ceiling. It's the absolute best. But you know, if we imagine Russell Wilson throwing for four thousand five hundred yards in this scenario, it's not crazy to say three thousand of it goes to KJ or goes to Jerry, Cortland, Tim. Um, And then, you know, you get you get a little bit from the wide receivers, maybe, you know, three, three to five hundred or sorry, three to five hundred from the running backs, you know, maybe a little bit more from the tight ends. um, And all of a sudden you've added it up and you've got forty five hundred yards. So it's it's a. It's a group that possesses so many good players. One thing it lacks is the great, great player, you know, and I don't think any of those guys yet are considered in the NFL's elite wide receivers, whereas Russell Wilson's an elite quarterback and Pat Sertan's an elite corner um, and, you know, Justin Simmons is an elite safety. This one has so much good that it's like when you look back at the end of the season and you say, where did these position groups rank uh, amongst their peers? You could absolutely see Denver Broncos wide receivers number one in the NFL.
2: Yep. And and here's where where I realistically think that that it happens, Ryan, is Jerry Judy. Goes off to for fifteen hundred yards, and he has his absolute breakout season. Cortland Sutton has over a thousand yards, uh, and is just a, a jump ball monster. Tim Patrick comes in realistically 800, 800 yards, and that would be incredible for a third wide receiver. And then KJ Hamler averages twenty yards per catch. You don't need to have three one thousand yard receivers, but that right there, where you then you have your sure star receiver. In Jerry Judy, you have the best second wide receiver in the NFL with Cortland Sutton and then honestly the third best uh, or the best third receiver in the NFL as well. That's how this formula could could come together and especially this year and I, I just emphasize it all the time. This team is going to make Russell Wilson happy. Nathaniel Hackett is going to make Russell Wilson happy. I do think Javante Williams is going to be a bell cow back and be the only back in this backfield eventually. Clearly, that's not this year. And I do think that the, the the shift to running the ball more will happen maybe next year or the year after. Not this year. They're going to do everything to feed Russ and let him cook.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's exciting to think about what these guys could be. And um, the idea of like, these guys who we've watched work so hard to put up mediocre stats over the last few years the idea that they could reach their ceiling that that gets me hyped up it it makes me so excited for them because there's so much luck involved in a great NFL career um, you know you got to land in the right situation in the first place um, you got to have a you know a good supporting cast. Um, you know, you gotta be in an organization that wants to win. There's so much that goes into it. And like these guys kind of got the short end of the stick, uh, for their first few years in the league. Now, uh, maybe you could make the argument that like Tim was able to break in because, the Broncos were bad, and you know maybe if he doesn't get that opportunity, he's not the guy he is now. Cortland obviously got the opportunity to come in and and learn from Demarius and Emmanuel, and then instantly get thrusted into that number one. So like it's not all bad for them, but they were missing the one thing that every great receiver ever has had, uh, and, and right, and that's quarterback. And now they have it, and I'm excited for them because nothing stopped them now uh you know from from reach their potential except for bad luck
2: Ryan guess how many wide receivers or how many thousand yard receiving seasons the Broncos have had in the past 5 years so since the start of the 2017 season 3 1 1 <laughs> thousand yard receiver it was Courtland oh, Sutton when he 2017. had that year. Okay. Right. So now you if took you go out back the year to... that
1: Demarius and Emmanuel bolted. Yep. It.
2: Exactly. And that just shows again how good Emmanuel and Demarius truly were, because a lot of people said, which is false. Well anyone can get a thousand yards with Peyton Manning. That's not true. What Demarius did with Peyton Manning was incredible. But then what really put the cherry on top of him being a incredible receiver and also Emmanuel Sanders being a really good receiver was in twenty sixteen they both had a thousand yards also shows Trevor actually had a, a really good first starting season in the NFL by being able to get two 1000 yard receivers.
1: Yeah, I wrote a whole thing about how, cause it was Trevor's second year, but his first year as a starter and his stats were right up there with any of the good rookies. Um, you know, he did get off to a good start. I will say, I think the Broncos were the only team that year that didn't have three receivers over 350 yards um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because it just all went to demarius and emmanuel but um he did a great job of working those guys and and now i can i was including those in my three guests um but yeah one since then it and you and the, those guys are gonna are just going to eat this year and i'm so stoked for them all right let's do this quickly because i don't want to do a whole podcast on what what group has the lowest floor but we have run long on highest ceiling which is fun um lowest floor i think this one is pretty easy um there's one very clear one in my mind and then i would be willing to listen to i can only really think of one other one that i think would be in this conversation so uh, let me hear what you have to say
2: Man, one obvious one isn't jumping out to me. If if there's an obvious one to me, it would be the tight ends. Uh, And so I think think tight ends is in there. I think, man, offensive line is in there. Uh, I think defensive line isn't in this conversation, but the third would be inside linebacker as well.
1: So inside linebacker is the obvious one to me. Um, You have one steady player who is coming off of an injury, uh, and that scares me. You know, like, you, you want to talk about um, ceilings. Well, the ceiling on Josie Jewell is very low. Um, the floor is also very close to the ceiling. Uh, but the fact that he's coming off an injury worries me because he was already athletically limited. Uh, and so if he doesn't come back 100 from that, then you've got bigger problems, in my opinion
2: um wait i got confused are we doing lowest floor or lowest ceiling
1: lowest floor lowest floor
2: okay lowest floor yeah so
1: so so he's the one that like is a little bit of a steadying force but he's also coming off an injury so you can imagine him taking a step back um you know just just to be fair i know it wasn't uh it was was it the peck yep Yep, so that's not, you know, it's not a knee or anything like that where you have to worry about him um, losing foot speed because he definitely can't afford to lose any of that. Um, but beyond that, it's just question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, and so to to me, that one has to be it because you, you have one guy who's proven he's coming off an injury. Then I guess you can throw uh, Alex Singleton, in there as a guy who's proven to not have the lowest floor. Uh, he's definitely not proven to, to be special in any way. And then you have Jonas Griffith, massive question mark with, with, you know, at least he could, he could help the ceiling of this group for sure. Um, Baron Browning, who we think is going to place him inside, but they, you know, just keep saying outside, outside, outside with him. Um, you know, you go on down the list to me, it just, it, it, it's entirely devoid of, upscale talent um and has a bunch of question marks too
2: yeah, and if we ever talk about who has the lowest ceiling, I think it's easy. I think it is the inside linebacker room for everything you just said. But what helps with the floor is Josie Jewell is a really solid, consistent player. So, but you bring a good point. If you lose him, touch, touch wood, if you lose him, Ryan, then it certainly the floor drops and you don't know where it stops, Ryan. So why I'm good because of Josie being a really solid player and should be fine coming back from injury. I'm going to make the argument for tight end just because Eric Tomlinson, you know what he is. He's a great blocker. One catch last year. You you can't count on him being a two-way player. Alberto. I personally like him. Everything the Broncos have said with their actions and their words this season says I can't count on him for for them to count on him at all. So I kind of unfortunately have to write him off, especially as just a one-way player. And then the third guy, guy, Greg Dulcich, I really like what he has, but we do talk about it occasionally that – Rookie tight ends sometimes take a long time to develop. And you actually wrote, wrote a, you had a great stat about it in, uh in our first make the case that we did over at the DNBR.com last night. And so while I really like all the hype surrounding Greg Dulcich right now and the type of player he can be, and I'm really buying him to him more than I was when they drafted him in the third round this year, it's just, I can't ignore that. And then, so if Greg Dulcich doesn't show up this year, that's a pretty scary room, but one that you don't have to count on, like we just talked about, because you can talk about, or because you can really count on uh, the the wide receivers to pick up so much slack.
1: Yeah, I just, I mean, what is the floor? Like, we we know exactly who Eric Tomlinson is. Um, mm-hmm. We know exactly who Eric Saubert is. Um, and then you have Greg Dulcich, just, and we kind of know exactly who Albert Okuebunam is, but at least we're close to having an idea of who he is. I don't think the floor is all that low. I think the floor is just like very, very average group.
2: I think the floor is extra linemen and for a tight end position, that's not what you're looking for.
1: Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, if you go if it comes down to receiving stats, then yeah, their floor is really low. Um but we just got done saying like they're I don't even know how much they're going to factor into the receiving conversation. So to me it's just like are they hurting the team? Cuz I think a low if you hit your floor, that means you are you are putting the team in away from where they want to go. I think this group's floor is just like yeah, they're just out there.
2: Yeah, and, and and that's fair. And then Ryan, the third position group that I mentioned had had a little bit of controversy in the comment section, offensive line, and this one has. I mean, I think of huge variance on the ceiling and the floor, and how high or low each of those are. Uh, Samuel B. Sue said offensive line is solid. Uh, we we also had someone Rocket said the lowest floor is the offensive line, and the reason that I included offensive line is. Garrett Bowles, his floor and ceiling, I think a very big window. He can Biggest have a very hits on the team, yeah, maybe. I- I- exactly. Uh at center. We, we don't know who the guaranteed starting center is. And so right there, there's a question at a position. We don't know. Uh, we're we're not guaranteed who the starting left guard is. I think Dalton Reisner is going to be in a little bit more of a battle than people think, at least for a little bit. So I think that position's a little bit up for grabs. Obviously, right tackle, it's up to three guys right now. So really, there's two guys that are guaranteed starters. It's Garrett Bowles and it's Quinn minors and Quinn minors. be my favorite offensive lineman, the Broncos have right now, but there's three other spots and really two other spots. If you, if you believe Dalton Reisner has the, the left guard spot locked up, which I'm not sold on, but that's half of the offensive line, essentially being two and a half spots. That's up for grabs to me. That shows a, a pretty concerning floor, but it also, Ryan, I'm not saying that, that the, the, the floor, there, there's no way to build it. I mean, th- there's good pieces there too.
1: Yeah, I'll say this about the offensive line, though. Like when we look at the question marks across the those positions, I'm oh, I'm like I can live with any of the answers. You know what I mean? Um, like I can definitely live with Graham Glasgow at center, or Lloyd Cushenberry. Um, I can definitely live live with Billy Turner at right tackle, who I think is going to win the starting job pretty easily. Um, but I can also live uh, with Calvin Anderson there. Um, you know, that's a little bit more scary. I can live with Dalton Reisner. I can also live with Natani Muti. So I'm, I I don't, I feel like the floor is a little bit higher than than inside linebacker. But what I will say is this, if that group gets anywhere close to their floor, terrible, terrible things have happened. Uh, (laughs) And it's the one that you can least afford. The tight ends could have 12 catches this year, and it really wouldn't even matter that much. Um, You know, uh, know, the inside linebackers can be the weakest unit on a very solid defense, and you can kind of hide them. They're going to be playing dime anyway. You can take them off the field. That you can get away with. You absolutely, positively cannot, under any circumstances, let this offensive line flirt with their floor. It's the only thing you cannot run and hide from. Um, so they better get it done. They better take care of business. New coaching staff in there. Can't, can't afford it. Can't afford it. So those guys need to be much closer to their ceiling than they are to their floor. And While Russ does sometimes get his offensive line in trouble by trying to make crazy stuff happen, they still should be in a much more comfortable position than they were over the last you know two, three years.
2: One, 100% and rocket in the comment section, put it like this. If the tight ends do bad, it doesn't suck. But if the offensive line does bad, then it's Armageddon. I- exactly what you said, Ryan, just, just in one sentence right there. And that that's right. The, the offensive line, I think if they're average by themselves, then they're going to be a good offensive line with Russ back there with a couple of extra sacks due to Russ. But for the most part, you're right. They are going to get that quarterback bump.
1: I don't care about, you know, sacks. Um on the the rust, like you just live with some sacks because you know he's trying to make something special happen i saw a great quote from joey burrow um yesterday where he was like yeah man like i take sacks like but every sack has its own story he's like uh if it's third down i do not care if i take a sack i'm all i care about is trying to make a play to get the first down if we have to punt from 10 yards further back it doesn't matter to me if i was able to you know um take that risk on a different play and convert the first down and I think Russ is kind of living in the same world
2: yeah and that's it you you can't get sacked for 15 yards on first and 10 Ryan and then you're essentially setting yourself up to punt eventually but if it's third and seven and you take a six yard sack well it doesn't really matter that that it's third and 13 so the right sacks are going to to be important there yeah yeah exactly and and, Dwayne Stooks though he may say whoa 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 Joey B let's let's just throw the ball out of bounds let's not take that sack I don't want to have Sam Martin have to punt 10 extra yards oh gosh
1: get a better punter (laughs) actually Uh,
2: Dwayne Stooks would instill instead yell that into the mic
1: and Russell Wilson would be like sorry dude I can't hear you um (laughs) he'd be like trying to win a football game over here
2: let's calm down let's calm down um
1: uh, I thought I lost you there for a second. You know, yeah. I mean,
2: you really calmed down. You listen to me. I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can't. Uh, you can't like. And Joe Burrow said this too. Like, you can't take it. Obviously, if you're in field goal range, uh, but a lot of times sacks have their own their own story. And if if Russ is trying to make plays, I don't care. The real thing is like, is the offensive line competent? Are they solid? Are they opening holes? Are they giving Russ time? You know, uh, to get the ball downfield on most occasions. I sacks is kind of a it's the most it's the easiest stat to look at when you're judging an offensive line but it doesn't always tell the whole story
2: And Joe Burrow also said something yesterday, and I want to get your opinion on it. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. We've had several DNVR listeners switch over and make them their permanent family dentistry and have only had great things to say. And we know that because we go over to Green Mountain Dental. And here's the awesome thing. If you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush. That's all you have to do. You're going to go to the dentist anyways twice a year. So might as well go to our friends over at Green Mountain Dental. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver, and you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush when you do so. So make sure to check them out. Tell them DNVR sent you. That's Green Mountain Dental. So Ryan, did you hear what else Joe Burrow said? I think it was a little more of a viral clip yesterday. Uh, he he was asked about going to a Super Bowl or going to a party after losing the Super Bowl. And every team has they have an party uh, after the Super Bowl, whether you win, whether you lose. And the losing one rubs people the wrong way quite a lot. And and I totally understand that what what, you just lost the biggest game of your life. Why are you celebrating here? And so Joe Burrow was asked that. And and he said, um, you know, I've, I've talked to, I don't remember the, the exact quarterback, maybe it was Kurt Warner or something. uh, And that after party isn't celebrating that you just lost the Super Bowl. That after party is celebrating all of the accomplishments that you had leading up to that, winning the AFC Championship game, being in the Super Bowl. And it's about enjoying the awesome journey that you had with those guys. And and that's something that I I had never thought about. And that way, my only counter to that would be, why not just do that a couple of days later?
1: So here's why. Um, You have to plan it. As if you're going to win. Um, So, you know, you're paying $200,000 to book an awesome artist and you're doing, you have this amazing venue and you're doing, you have, you know, all the drinks and a bartender and all, all of that stuff is prepared, has to be prepared so that the second you win, you guys can have the best party of your lives. So, and it's not like you can tell, um, let's see, you can't tell Drake. Like, hey, so we need you this night, but if we lose, we don't need you. Like, sorry, you can't do anything else that night. You have to pay them regardless. Um, So the party has to be prepared for a win. Um, I'll say this. I guarantee you those guys are not having as much fun uh, as they could. You know, They're trying to let loose. They're trying to forget a little bit, but they deserve it. Like, in baseball, every time you win a round, you do the champagne. Uh, In fact, when you clinch the playoffs, you do the champagne. If you go to the wild card and you win that, you do the champagne. If you win in the first round, you do the champagne, and so on and so forth. Football's not like that. Football is much more, we have a job here to do, no one take your eyes off the prize. So, like, I'm sure they celebrate a little bit when they win the AFC Championship game, but it's still like, work's not done, work's not done, work's not done, work's not done. And you should, you deserve to be able to celebrate all the accomplishment. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals went to the Super Bowl last year. That's a, that's worth celebrating. That's something worth celebrating. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it would be nice to take a week off, process it, and do it again, but the, the party has to be planned already. You might as well take advantage of it. And here's the other thing. It's very likely the last time you'll ever be together with that group of guys who you went on a really special journey with that didn't end the way you wanted it to, but When you look back on your career, you're going to say, man, I'm glad I enjoyed that night because that was the last time I was with CJ Uzoma or whoever it was, you know, as teammates.
2: Yeah. And and, and I really liked hearing that perspective. And Ryan, it it makes a lot of sense with what you're saying as well. All right. Should we hop into the super chats? Because we got one coming in from TJ says, DraftKings has Russell Wilson to win MVP at plus 1400 hashtag. Let's ride. Yep,
1: yep, doubled my uh my bet on that after I saw Sierra on the cover of Sports Illustrated.
2: <laughs> I love it. Can you bet on uh Sierra MVP at like, you know, plus 10,000 or something?
1: It's probably like minus 200.
2: <laughs>
1: um, she's the uh, the absolute MVP. Um Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I'm I'm in on that bet. Like I legitimately think that that's a good bet. Um especially at those odds. That's uh, Close to what Nikola Jokic started the season at last year. What's crazy is it's a little bit better than the defending MVP. Um, It's
2: really true, and 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 it's double the odds of what the number one guy is with Josh Allen at plus seven hundred.
1: Yep, which is interesting. Now, the stats out of Josh Allen are going to be insane. Um, I think Mahomes statistically takes a little bit of a step back. We know Justin Herbert's going to put up big numbers. Um, and Wait, I say think that again? The Broncos. I said he's going to put up big numbers in the, in the yards and maybe touchdowns column. <laughs> I didn't say anything about the win column. Um, I, I worry from a statistical standpoint that the Broncos aren't going to throw it that aggressively. Um, like I think at its peak, it's like a seventy thirty situation for the Broncos, where like the Bills are just like looking at the season, being like, oh yeah, we or ninety five five run to pass. So um, it's going to be tough to keep up statistically. But here's what I'll say: is if the Broncos have the one seed in the AFC, which is not out of the question, you know, at four plus fourteen hundred, probably it, you know around that anyway for the Broncos. To, it's actually probably lower than that for the Broncos to win. Uh, the regular season in the AFC, Russ will be very close, if not, you know, if not the winner.
2: Yeah. And in the past five seasons, Ryan, the MVP has had the number one seed in their respective conference. So, right there, that's a huge thing he checks off. He's also going to have the feel good story and the feel good story on two different accounts moving to a new team, getting kicked out of Seattle, leaving Seattle, joining Denver. And then on the other side, the feel good story of, Wow, this guy's never had an MVP vote before. Yeah, I feel a little better about betting for him because it, it's tougher. It's tougher. Tom. It was for Peyton Manning, should beat Adrian Peterson, in my opinion, back in, in twenty thirteen twenty twelve, I should say. But it, it, it's just it's harder to get those votes when you've already uh, been voted. Russ never has that, so he's going to have a few intangibles on his side as well.
1: Yeah, it it, it would be fun just if he's in the race. Uh... You know, it's, uh, it maybe it wouldn't be fun because I don't know if it's anything like the NBA conversation is just a toxic mess, but I think it's, it's probably good. not quite as, as bad on the on NFL Twitter. I can't say I've ever been in the heat of an MVP debate on, on NFL Twitter. So I don't know.
2: Exactly. All right. Let's hop into the comment section over at the DNVR.com. And if you want your comments, read, Go to the DNVR.com at the top of the screen. There's a podcast tab. Click on that. A drop-down menu pops up where you can click on Bronco's podcast. Then all of our podcasts we've ever done show up. But click on the top one. That's our most recent one. Scroll to the bottom. Leave your comments there. And we will read them on the next day's podcast. And let's jump in to people that have done that. First one coming in from Melbourne. Bronco says, my boys, I'm all in on Tim Patrick. He will light up this season because he catches everything. And Russ knows he can be trusted. Now, jumping the shark. Happy Days was the show, and Fonzie decided to jump the shark on water skis when his bravery was challenged. Wearing his trademark leather jacket and swim trunks, he made it. It was later revealed that the episode was created to showcase Henry Wrinkler's real-life water skiing skills. The show continued for six more years. Ah, the 70s. What a ride. bro. So I took a
1: lot of heat for my description of Jump the Shark. I completely nailed the point.
2: Yeah, it it was pretty good. Yep.
1: (laughs) Like, you know, I didn't know the name of the show or the name of the character. And I said he was on a surfboard rather than water skis. But the entire point was he jumped over a shark while performing a water sport. It was entirely unrealistic and stupid. And everyone was like, yeah, it's kind of where it lost its touch. That's the (laughs) only part that matters. And everyone's coming after me like, you don't know. This is the 70s we're talking about. Like, you know, the fact that I even know that a little bit, I feel like I should be getting patted on the back.
2: And I patted you on the back because I was certainly impressed with it. But uh, our our friends who were watching that in the 70s, uh, Ryan, they, they want you to be right. They're just fact checking you.
1: Well, now I won't mess it up the next time. Maybe <laughs> um, but, uh, I I'm feeling pretty pretty good about that.
2: I think you should be. Next one coming in from Dan Burke says, hey guys, so with news that the Broncos will be hosting Dallas for joint practices, that made me reminisce about the last time hosted the Broncos or the last time the Broncos hosted a team in 2019 with the 49ers. I remember RK mentioning back then how stark the difference was between the 49ers and the Broncos from an energy perspective. We now know that the 49ers team was pretty special and went on to win the Super Bowl, so it might be a good measuring stick to compare the Broncos to what a championship caliber team looked like. What else do y'all remember about them and those practices?
1: I'll never forget it. And it was one of the times that I first questioned Vic Fangio's approach because the 49ers just looked like they were having so much more fun than the Broncos. Uh and in the end they are playing a game, right? So um the Broncos came out, just kind of walked on the field, started doing their work like a bunch of people going to desk jobs. And the 49ers came out just like they were ready to just destroy the Broncos. And it was going to be so fun for them. And they're dancing and they're chanting and they're huddling and doing all this fun stuff. And I was just like, "There's you cannot make a case to me for how that pointing at the Broncos is better than that. And, and I was just thinking like, man, Vic Fangio, I think he really missed the mark on the way that he wants these practices to go. Those guys are working. Those guys are having fun. And it was so obvious.
2: It was so obvious. And and Ryan, at that time, we were doing our podcast in the morning before training camp. So we were there when warm outs, warm ups were happening. And I, you could probably hear it. I mean, we probably talked about it. Like, what is going on here? There's a group of 10 inside linebackers for the 49ers about 15 yards away. And these guys may come and kill us right now <laughs> because they are so fired up and amped. And then, and then you're right that the Broncos are coming onto the field, holding their helmet in their hand literally just walking by themselves in the 49ers. They are, I kid you not. You see those pump up videos of a defense five minutes before an NFL game starts and they're cussing each other out and they're pushing each other. And and it's so lively. That's what these linebackers were like at nine in the morning on a Thursday practice in the middle of August.
1: Yeah, it was impressive. And I, and I, uh, I tip my cap to them uh, and, and I had no idea they were actually going to be good. Um, but (laughs) They definitely punched the Broncos in the mouth that day. Now, I do remember the Broncos coming back the next day and, and making it a little more respectable, but they were not prepared.
2: They weren't. And the good thing is, Ryan, if anyone can bring that energy to the Broncos, it is Nathaniel Hackett. And I guarantee you the Broncos are at least going to be way closer to what Kyle Shanahan had his 49ers team like than anything close to what Vic Fangio had his team like in terms of the energy that that that's brought. Uh, And we saw a little bit yesterday. Nathaniel Hackett brought the team bowling during phase two. Uh, And it's just it's fun things, Ryan. And, And that's exactly it. This is, he wants to make this a fun environment. And you know what's fun? Before practice, being hyped about it, having music going on, pumping yourself up like it's a game instead of approaching it just like you said, like a desk job or, or just something. Okay, we got to go outside. It's hot out. Might as well get this practice over with.
1: Yep, absolutely. Okay, I think we have time for one more here. And it comes in from Orange is the new sack. Always great to hear you guys read our comments. Comments. I think I'm going to shoot for the Raiders game in November. I really hope Broncos country brings the energy when McDaniels comes back. Broncos country is bringing the energy from oh, yeah. whistle to whistle this year. Um, nonstop from upstate to Denver is being offered at the end of May. Let's go. Will Walton be required to have a succession plan? I don't know much about ownership, but I take it the Bullens didn't go exactly as intended. Should Walton be required to state exactly what should happen with the team when the inevitable hits? Sorry, this is morbid. Thanks, boys. I'm sure it will be the standard practice, which is it will get passed on to one of his kids. Yes, Um,
2: potentially the one that just bought a $22 million house in Denver.
1: I know nothing about their family tree, but that would be my first
2: guess. (laughs) Yep, yep. And as we've talked about before, too, the good thing about this that's very different— from Pat Bolin is all of most of Pat Bolin's money is tied up in with the Broncos. He doesn't have one kid that he can pass it to. He he has almost 10 kids that, that it needs to be passed on to. And so the team has to be split in order for that to be to, for, for his estate to be passed on evenly with, with Rob Walton, the Broncos at $5 billion are going to be, one little chunk of somewhat of one of his kids estate tax or what they get back from Rob Walton so it would be 20 it would be 5 billion dollars of 20 million that each kid gets so that can easily go to one person it doesn't have to be split up
1: that's a really good point and an interesting one um and yeah i mean i think we've talked about how the Pat Bowen trust is one of Pat Boone's worst ideas when it came to the Broncos amongst tons and tons and tons of great ones. Yeah. Um, but the more I think about it, the more that I think he kind of knew that Johnny wasn't going to be cut out for it. Uh, and he didn't know what to, how to handle that, you know? And, and so he was like, well, I don't have time to see who else might end up being cut out for this. Um, so I'm going to have to trust you guys to figure it out for me. And, and for that, I kind of sympathize with him. Um, and it's kind of a shame uh, that things went that way, but you hope that whatever the new owner is, we, I mean, I'm at like 90% Rob Walton. Um, you hope that he just can learn some lessons from Pat Bowling about what it means to be the owner of the Denver Broncos.
2: Yeah, and and you you really hope that that is the case. But, Ryan, money helps with with everything, and Rob Walton brings a ton of it. And that's why he's not only the favorite in my mind as well, but that's why I think a lot of Broncos fans will embrace him because he's going to have the money to do whatever he wants.
1: Yes. Yes, he is. And he's going to make the Broncos the wealthiest team in the NFL, which, you know. Not the worst thing. Not the worst thing to be able to uh, claim.
2: Nope. Not not the worst thing to be able to outbid uh, anyone on coaches, stadiums, anything.
1: Yep, exactly. All right. Uh, we just got a $10 super sticker. I'm sad that we can't see what it is, but it's a super sticker. Thank uh, you, Andre. <laughs> we love you. So, Andre Williams, appreciate you sending that in. Uh, all love to all of you guys. We will be back on the pod tomorrow. Make sure you check us out. Make sure you check out the DNVR bar. Go Avs. And we'll catch you guys later.
0: How long's it been since you and I Rolled out the truck and took a country